Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It's the weekly edition of The Ruck. After this, only two more to go. And we're all sitting here with our tongues hanging out with exhaustion. After that, there'll be a big break, and then we'll be back with you for the pre-World Cup internationals, uh, but just with two to go. Now, it's a shame you can't see us in the studio today because we're all wearing eye patches in homage to Madonna at Eurovision. We've also got someone here who covered it. Adam Hathaway was in Tel Aviv on Saturday uh, reporting for the North Macedonian Weekly Argus, the 740th um, paper that he's worked for. Adam, uh, you took a strong line. Um, is it a real genuine contest, in your uh, opinion, from Tel Aviv, or was it a load of wailing idiots? Well, the bloke who came last, the English fellow, he reckons it was all about Brexit. Yeah. Didn't get any votes, but to be honest... What was, <clears> your, what was your lead for the North Macedonian? Oh, Madonna. Okay. 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 Stuart, um, Bob Dylan, he's never, been, he's never entered Eurovision. No. Do you think it's time? Because, well, you know, he, he could bring the whole thing up, he could give it a grace... He can't sing either, so he'd fit in pretty well. It's never had a Nobel Prize winner. Hmm. It's never had an American and uh, entrant, and that doesn't matter because Australia are now in it. So you know we're not worried about it being within the borders of Europe. It is time that Bob, especially with his magnificent band, entered. Yes, indeed. I, well, I, well, I think you should. I'm not, I'm not joking. Alex Lowe from the Times falls. Uh, first of all, who are they? <laughs> Foles, uh, band from Oxford, they're on their fifth album, they're just sensationally good, yeah. uh, live act, um, they're about to go back on tour, and I can't wait to see them, I don't think they'll grace Eurovision, Yeah, I think it's um, beneath them. Okay. Beneath, uh, hang on, beneath, beneath them. them. But is the, the, is is the lead singer a woman with a beard? No, he's a man with a beard. Okay, oh, I can't see that going down the <laughs> there we go. Um... On the weekend, uh, just before Eurovision, uh, just before uh, Adam uh, jetted off to Tel Aviv, the last uh, weekend of the regular season of the Gallagher Premiership took place. And um, at some stage, I think uh, four different teams are going into Europe, depending on results. But um, Alex, what sort of season has it been? Now it's all over. Um, What struck me is the middle of the table was vast. It, It was like... Team number four at the start of play on last week, Harlequins, were not really that much better or worse than, say, team number 10, Worcester. Is that good for the Premiership because you get loads of close games, or was it bad because it says that there's not quite the class there? Yeah, we've, we've had this conversation on this pod through the season about whether or not um, it's, been a, it's been a good season, a classic season. I think, as we've spoken about it before, I, I felt that there's been a lot of storylines, there's been a lot of um, interest and drama at the bottom a lot of really competitive matches the whole way through anyone can beat anyone which is the cliche but actually it is what generally what you want to see mm. except that the top two have been cut off from the rest I think when you when you come down to look at the table as it is 
is it is it five points between fourth and ninth? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Makes it very tight. I think it actually shows that there are two teams who are far and away better than than the rest who are all pretty middling. And if you can qualify for the playoff places with an 11-11 record, then I think it shows that um, that actually that the standard has been pretty middling for, for the large majority of of the season. That doesn't mean you don't get great matches and drama and and storylines and and a narrative, which is what we want. I mean, we've seen. The relegation battle down the bottom. Um, you know, Leicester were in deep trouble only a few weeks ago. Um, there's been a lot to talk about, a lot of interest, a lot to keep us captivated. I think actually the, the, a reflection on the quality of, of the league is that there are two teams at the top who are f- far and away the best. Gloucester are, are, are doing a pretty decent job of trying to trying to bridge the gap, and then the rest are the rest are battling it out for, for one position. But, but they're all pretty inconsistent. Stuart, you, you did a kind of philosophical piece about the uh, about the uh, the role of the of the Premiership on uh, for Sunday's paper. I went to see Harlequins, who were very very close to the top mm. four indeed. But with the greatest respect to them, they really did not look like a playoff no. team to me. Now, is it surely not? Is it not part of the of the function of the Premiership to produce? Uh, really, really top quality teams, and more than two. I, I think it's part of the function, but only in the sense that it is the raison d'être of the clubs to be successful, to play a brand of rugby that will fill the grounds, uh, that will make companies like CVC fascinated, that will bring in big television money. That's the business. Um, I think that this year. I would disagree with Alex in the sense that I think there was one outstanding team. Exeter are very good at winning, but I think they're a lesser team than they were last year. I thought against Northampton, you know, we saw a team who have gone from being very good at uh, illegally killing ball but not getting penalised to a team that just work for scrum penalties and play into the corner. Um, I love the club. I don't like the way they play. Um, Saracens, on the other hand, you don't get great games with them. Uh, because they know when they can afford to lose and when they play well, they're too good for anyone. And if you think about Glasgow, Munster, Leinster in the final, three great performances, maybe not great matches because no one can live with them. I expect that to carry on in the last two rounds. And the other thing I would just say to, to put the nail on the Premiership season... You know, Saracens were the exception. They were not the rule. They were the only English team who made the last eight of the Champions Cup. That tells the tale. But, Barnsley, you say that Exeter, all they were good at was, was winning games, mm. which is the one thing that most of the rest of the Premiership weren't mm. very good at. No, yeah, I know that. But the, the point is the other teams are not particularly good. They won't be beating Saracens like they didn't beat them in last year's final. Yeah, well, that's The way they play. And... You know, this league, unfortunately, I think it's about who wins the grand final. I, I wish I, it was about I, I 22 games, but it's not. I, I, I think, we had, Stuart and I have had this conversation before, I can see what you're saying, but I also think Exeter can switch on, switch something else on, then they'll have to do it this week. Um, Adam, you were at uh, Welford Road. Yeah. Um, first of all, was it like a morgue, or was there any signs of life there? And secondly... Was there a resignation in uh, in the in the sort of Leicester shoulders that this season has gone gone forever and was an absolute nightmare? Well, you've got to tip your hat to the Leicester fans. It's still twenty thousand of them turned up on Saturday. I don't know how they do it because they've been served up a complete load of dross this this year. Um, there is a sort of air of resignation, that, and if you just talk to the fans when you're moping around bars and things like that, um, which I occasionally do, just for um, they, they're 
they're blaming everyone upstairs. Okay, when you go in those bars, you're supposed to go up and get buy something at the bar, by the way, but it, <laughs> you think you've forgotten that. But. And Bath, um, suddenly, um, as the uh, as Saturday afternoon wore on, you thought, blimey, Bath are going to sneak in, yeah? And they, they damn well did. But without ever really impressing. What, what Was there any signs of life? They were terrible in the first half. And then um, <clears throat> they were 14 points down just shortly before the break. Somehow they got out of jail. I mean, Le- I think Leicester's spirit had just gone anyway by then. Mm. Um, I didn't really get We got all the... Uh, we did it for Todd stuff afterwards, but um, we should probably learn to do it for themselves. <laughs> but that, that, that's been Bath all over, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Terrible at one point. For, you know, for, for how long? Decade? Do you know what? It is unbelievable, in in my opinion, how many of the 12 teams in the Premiership have actually got the wrong men in charge. But yeah. th- there yeah. we are. We're just going to go through every team now so you can you, we can tell you where your team stood, or at least where we think they stood. Stuart, Newcastle Falcons, terrible open to the season. Then they woke up, but never caught, they left themselves too much to do, really. Yeah, I, I thought the last third of the season they'd got themselves in a position to pull themselves away and I was surprised they went down in the end um, I think back now to Lang's missed kick Saturday for Harlequins and they might well be thanking him because last season Newcastle were the team who got fourth place without having a remote chance of winning the title uh, expectations were so high the next season um, they couldn't fulfil them uh, they've gone from uh, an overachievers to underachievers it's lucky that Harlequins didn't make the semis Adam uh, can Newcastle bounce back bearing in mind they get a parachute payment and they've got experience at the top level do you expect them to come straight back oh yeah something wrong, wrong if they don't I mean some of their players are staying aren't they Not yeah they them. are Alex yes or no can they come straight back yes they will ok Leicester Tigers Um well, what they need is someone to play as well as George Ford because he's virtually carried them on his own. Um, all season we've been saying they need a big, dirty, horrible second row and they've signed one. Unbelievable. Lavanini, mm. Argentinian, fantastic yeah. player. and Just what they need. Um, Stuart, um, nothing from the, the backs really. Tamua, um, uh, even outside George Ford, not being, not being that great. No, they've been terrible all round. George Ford should have been nominated for both awards. Uh, I concur with Adam. Um, he has been fantastic in a dreadful team and the fans are right if you look at Leicester all the problems the last four years have been mixing and matching in terms of management who's making that decision I I think that they they spent so long saying we've got to change the way we we play that they they abandoned their heritage and they never got it back Alex Worcester Warriors um, strong end to the season quite a colourful team are there signs that they're going to glide up the table now um Based on how they finished the season, yes, and the, and I've said before, and this, I think we all had some doubts about Alan Solomon's and the job he'd do there, but actually he's he's really got them playing beautifully um, with spirit and and heart and desire. The problem is they're losing so many key players. Josh Adams is going, Jack Singleton's going. They haven't signed anybody, and London Irish are coming up, and they will be armed to the teeth with with big players. And hmm. I actually. And would be concerned for Worcester for next season. I think London Irish could be every bit as good as as Bristol were this year, um, and I would fear for Worcester next season unless they start signing some players. Stuart, um, one of your old clubs, Bristol Bears. I'm really in- intrigued to hear that Kevin Bagara party story you told us <laughs> last week. <laughs> you that was that. absolutely excellent. No, it, re- it was really good, but it must have been <laughs> difficult when that girl came up the stairs. But um, <laughs> Barnsley, b- b- to be fair to Bristol, they, 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 it is difficult to bridge the gap, but they, your former boys bridged the gap in some style this year. 
Yeah, they did. I mean, it's interesting because before the season started, Pat Lamb said uh, staying up is not our objective. Mm. Making Europe is. So if you want to take the director of rugby at his word, Bristol actually have had a disappointing season. But I think for this time we can uh, we can give Pat a bit of leeway and say let's not take him at his word. Not only did they stay up, they played some very good rugby and they proved all this absolute nonsense about we have to get rid of relegation because you can't develop players because if you're at the dogfight, you don't play any rugby is the load of guff it has always been. Well, well done, total, totally agree. Wasps, uh, Adam, come on to Wasp. I just I was at Wasps on Saturday and um, I just I was found it quite emotional because um, there was a stage there when with Joe Simpson um, carving through that it, it just brought you back to last season with Cipriami, Gopeth, Daly, Christian Wade uh, and, and Simpson and there were some times where they looked like the Wasps of old. You do fear for them because a lot of players are moving on and they're now saying that they've signed all those they're going to sign so maybe a big rebuilding project but the crowd stuck with them fair play There's people were complaining there was only 17,000 there well blimey that used to be the aggregate crowd for, for Wasps at one <laughs> it was stage. a month it was uh, Adam Wasps what um, do they need <clears throat> well I tell you what they need is they need a fly half because Sopoanga's been an absolute waste of space all season Yeah. Um, and they need a fit Jimmy Gopov their season was done when Gopov injured himself in pre-season I think especially with Danny Cipriani not there yeah I, I totally agree with that uh, I'd also add um, Jack Willis being fit next season would yeah. really change his and he only played a couple of games and was massive in those games and they've missed him as well as the players they released which we, we know that whole story but Jack Willis could be a big player for them I absolutely agree, agree. and obviously there, there were five or six still out on the weekend um, Alex, Sale Sharks, a great, great mystery. First of all, next year they could be the strongest team in Super Rugby, should, should they choose to be. But um, well, they're always sort of on the fringes, always on the point of breaking through. What's your view of them at the end of this season and with four or five box next year? Well, they've signed six South Africans so far. Um, and I think that's the move that they needed to take. If you look at, look at the model that Gloucester have followed, um, it has been importing toughest teak springbok players to set a platform they've got they've got some magnificent wide players they do have some some good forwards but they've they're really adding both grunt up front like physicality mm-hmm. and um and some they've got some stardust out of the bag i think this move in the transfer market is is designed to take them from being on the fringes into the top four and there's every chance when you look at the top four from this season and last season with mm-hmm. newcastle there's every chance that, that they could make that move next year. Okay, that'll be good for the geographical spread of the game. Um, Adam, uh, sorry, uh, Stuart Bath, another one of your old teams. Uh, never, never convincing to me. God bless them, mind. I love. Uh, it. Yeah, they had the one year when they were brilliant and lost to Saracens. Other than that, they're up and down and up and down. You know, it's just yo-yo stuff. And and Blackadder's gone. There's been criticism. There's been praise there, but they're bringing in Stuart Hooper. Um, the management above think he's wonderful. I think the fans are, are not so sure. Bath think they've got a man who's who's blue, black and white through and through. But blue, black and white through and through characters tend to be people who understand about winning. But Bath can't go there anymore because we're all nearly dead so long ago. Um, there are big question marks still about Bath. It's a big job for Hooper, isn't it? it, it it's a massive job. And if you, if you look at the step up he's taking... Um, and you think about Jordan Murphy and what's happened there, you know, there has to be a question mark. The management have nailed their colours, especially Tarquin MacDonald. 
Uh, I think Bruce Craig wanted a big name. Tarquin said, no, this is the guy who will lead us out of the morass. I'm not so certain. I don't get that. God bless him, I don't get that. Harlequins, Adam, apart from their absolutely brilliant back row, where do you think they can go? They improved a lot in terms of positions. Are they on their way to glory? I'm not sure they're on their way to glory, but they have improved a lot, although with the caveat that um, Alex was saying earlier that the middle teams are much of a muchness, they just probably need a bit more biff, don't they? Yeah. I mean, the Don Brandt has been great this year. Obviously, mm. Rob Shaw's great every week. Um, <laughs> they just need a bit more biff. Smart Simon's just played well. Would you, just, would you describe a back row with Clifford, Don Brandt and Rob Shaw as the fastest you've ever seen? <laughs> no, but they've signed Will Evans, haven't they? That young but Will Evans, the kid from Leicester. All oh, right, okay, okay. So they've had to bring someone else in that great back row. Well, yeah, but Clifford, Clifford and Don Brandt can shift. Clifford, yes. Clifford can shift. Okay, Don right. Brandt can shift. Okay, yeah. there's the third man that we haven't mentioned. Leave him out of it. Um, Alex, um, Northampton Saints, mm. uh, they definitively improved, proven yeah. really. Yeah, I, I think Chris Boyd has, has got a very strong case for being director of rugby of, of the season and, and the, the transformation he's delivered there I mean there's only margins that makes them any better off than than Harlequins in, in the final reckoning hmm. but they just he's just transformed the the atmosphere there and the and the, the way they're playing Kobus Reinach has been a sensation this year I can really I don't think they've, they haven't signed a huge number of players for, for next year but I, I I just get a feeling that they've they've found themselves again and there's some momentum building, and I, I think they'll be decent next year. Okay, let's now move on because we've got four teams. We've got four teams left. We've got the semi-finals. We can move on to the semi-finals. It's still going team by team. Northampton uh, away at Exeter. Now, eventually, they, they competed hard on the weekend, but eventually, mm. they lost by quite a lot. <clears throat> Have they got a chance? And do you think they've held anything back that they didn't show Exeter? No, I, no, I don't. I, I don't. I think the answer is no to both questions. I don't think they've got a chance. Um, uh, they've got a sporting chance because they're in a get they're in a match, but I, I don't see them winning it. I, I think they are they're a coming team. I think Chris Boyd's done a really good job there, but actually the, the answer that Stuart gave earlier about what makes Exeter such a big such a difficult team to beat is they'll what grind them. They'll, gr- yeah. they'll grind them. The, yeah. the interesting one, Steve, on this one is is Dylan Hartley finally going to be f- match fit to take his place? Mm. Because the area where that game was turned. Uh, in broken field rugby, Northampton were better than Exeter for much of the game. Though they lost by 19 points, the game turned on the fact that Exeter at will could get penalties from the scrum. Is Hartley the man to come back and actually give a bit of biff and cement? What, it's, it's it, cracking. Is he in the first get in his first game what? back? I know. Well, well, coming, coming off the bench with Hartley, it's, it's an interesting he one. Might, he might have to because Marshall went off early on. Yes, Saturday, he did. Yeah. Right. Okay. Also, okay. he is the best. Scrummaging hooker in so yeah, so we hear yeah so in England, according to those who <coughs> who packed down with him and he has been training he's in full training so Northampton say um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they've been sort of conditioning him to to get involved on something okay Stuart, Stuart um, Gloucester um, I think everyone's got a sort of soft spot for them somewhere I certainly have um, <laughs> I, I I think they're w- w- no way are they anywhere like anything like favourites. Do you have a fear that actually they're really going to get their comeuppance on, uh, against Saracens? I wouldn't use the word comeuppance because I think they deserve to be yes, where I they agree. are. Yeah. Um, I think Saracens are, are likely to give them an absolute hammering. And that is nothing against Gloucester. It's mm. my point, I think, Saracens are the greatest English team we have seen in the professional era, the greatest English team we've seen in my lifetime. And uh, what about Gloucester, Gloucester are decent, mm. but 
decent to great is 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 a quantum leap. I mean, I, I think you know by the end of the week, uh, I wrote it in the paper today. I think the sideshow will have enveloped the the, the centre stage story, and that's going to be Cipriani against Farrell. But the battleground is not going to be felt fought on a level playing field. No, it's it's not. G- people will say at the end of it, "There you go, Farrell's proved his point over Cipriani." But it's nonsense because if you swap sw- swap them around, you'd get a very different scenario. Uh, Adam. Um, Stuart has, has written off Exeter. He savaged them as boring, useless. Um, not useless. No good. But, <laughs> not um, useless. <laughs> should they be okay at home against Northampton, or do you see any shock there? Just what, what, what do you see in Exeter that uh, persuades you that they could still win the title this year? I don't think they can. Okay. I think, Sar- I think Saracens are. Saracens could beat anyone. Saracens would beat England. I mean, you know. Yeah, they would. <clears throat> but I mean, one thing with Northampton um, going to Exeter. Is don't forget that Northampton thought they had to win that game on Saturday, so they probably have showed their hand already. Yeah, sure, exactly. Think, well, that's, that's very true. I think but when you when you look at the teams, all the, as we've just gone through, you know, what what do they need for next year? What where do they need to improve? If you look at take Manchester City, the best team in English football, they're just going to sign one or two players for a couple of positions because they already have what they need. You go down through a lot of the other teams signing six, seven, eight, nine players, extra picked up a couple of very important signings. Stuart Hogg is hmm, big for them yeah. to replace Cordero. Will Whitty's a smart signing. Saracens bringing in two or three key players, Daly, Singleton. Um, but they're just adding to a, to a squad yeah. that's already... Yes. A, it's been, everyone else is, is trying to revolutionise their squad, take big leaps like Sale. These two, they're just targeting the key... The key players. I just say, it's funny with with, with, with Sarries because you know there's so much jealousy out there for them because they're not the sort of club like I remember Richard Cockrell once said, "Oh well, we don't we we do it the Leicester way, not the Sarries." Well, well, look where that got them. And and I, I think that people who want to be good, want to be great in the modern era, should instead of um, being jealous, they should go there and learn about what they do, Always. how they do it, their academy, their charitable nature, the the the, the, the bond that they have. Okay, they got millions of pounds. Which, which helps but I tell you what they are the modern day club and I agree with Stuart they're the, they're the greatest uh, um, club I've ever seen in Europe I'll just say Northampton very briefly if they sign themselves a world class tight head prop they would be up there with Exeter next year maybe not Saracens but they are close to making a big breakthrough in the way they play. OK, let's just um, go do these games in um, a chronological order. I just want, um, Alex, uh, just a rough, say, a name of the winners and a, and a margin. First of all, uh, Sarri's Gloucester. Saracens to win by 16. Um, Saracens by tw- 20 20, 20 points plus determined whether they want to win by that many. Yep, Sarah's by 20 on there. Okay, I, I just see that possibly it could be, even be more than that, much as I love Gloucester. Okay, with this time we're going reverse order, as Eric D. Morley did in the years of Miss World. <laughs> uh, Adam, uh, the other semi, Exeter. Exeter um, by at 12. Exeter by 12. Stuart, your, your non boys, Exeter? Uh, um, I think Northampton's hit and run rugby could still give Exeter a bit of a scare uh, but Exeter do know how to win at home, uh, they know how to manage referees, set pieces, Exeter by 9-10. Yeah, Exeter by a couple of scores I'd say. Not, uh, not, okay, I not think 10. I'd go, again I'd go bigger, I think it might be two, three or four scores but there we go. So that's the two semi-finals let's be fair, whatever we said about the season two cracking games to coming up. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, as well as the Gallagher Premiership semifinals, we have the climax of the Guinness Pro 14 when Glasgow play Leinster at Celtic Park and a, a decent choice of venue. I think rugby spends too long going around the old venues. Um, Friday night at Glasgow at home to Ulster, everybody thought it would be fairly close. My goodness, it wasn't. It was 50 points to Glasgow, 20 to Ulster, but the, the actual margin was way more than that. Um, Stuart, Glasgow, what do we make of them? Because they've just crushed uh, a, a good team or a reasonable team in the semi-final, mm. but they themselves were crushed twice by Saris. In fact, three times. Well, what were, do we make? Uh, they gave them decent <clears throat> games in the pool stages, Steve. Uh, they were crushed in the quarterfinals. Uh, but I'm a major fan, as you know, of Dave Rennie, and Dave Rennie changes the way Glasgow play. Now, they have to be accurate in their kicking game, uh, otherwise they're under pressure against a team like Saracens. But since that match, they've got that element right, and then they put pressure on, they break the field up, and it becomes kaleidoscopic, and you get this whole uh, Waikato Chiefs way of playing. They've got a brilliant broken field structure, and nobody in... I think uh, Pro 14 can handle it. Very few teams in England would be able to handle it as well. Uh, I thought they'd beat Ulster well, and I think with home advantage uh, against a Leinster team, who I I thought did very well to bounce back from that battering at the hands of um, Saris, I think they've got a great chance of winning. Rennie, I think, should have been the England coach. You know, I wrote that two years ago after the World Cup fiasco, or three years ago, uh, and I think... England's loss was definitely Glasgow's gain. Adam um, Lenser did bounce back. Um, is, is there some sort of sense that in the Pro 14, there are two teams way ahead, just like they are in the Premiership? Because Munster always try hard, but actually they're not very good. And uh, Ulster were, were terrible on Friday night. Do you think those two are, are ahead as, further, for, as far as the, the two English teams? <clears throat> yeah, I think there's something in that. Um, as Stuart said, Ren is obviously a shrewd coach. When I mean, we were up there, was it last season when they tore Exeter to shreds and knocked them out of Europe? Hmm. Um, Easter, well, Leinster, obviously, under the guiding hand of your man, Stuart Lancaster, are uh, streets ahead. Also, interesting, they had Sexton on the bench on at the weekend. Amazing, because two years ago, when um, Leinster won, Stuart Lancaster took all the credit. They didn't seem to step forward to take the blame this year, but there we go. Alex, Pro 14, don't think, you know, I think that uh, CVC have offered them half what they offered to the Premiership, yeah. which, which is, I think, about right. But a great chance at, uh, at a huge uh, and, and, and uh, evocative ground to, to have a, a great final. Yeah, it's a great pla- it's a great stadium, for it, a great platform for showcase that, that final. I think you're right. Um, I'm not sure there's enough, quite enough invention among the rugby authorities. Um, I go back to the when Europe had, had decided to take the final to Milan and then they revamped Europe and hmm. sent it to Twickenham, I think it was. Yeah, it was yeah, you know, yeah. they need to be... Uh, you know, I get the need for to sell tickets, etc., etc. But I think it's a really... Uh, it should be an excellent event. I think Leo Cullen was 
slightly ill-advised to go down the sectarian route when he was trying to ramp up some of the some of the support for his team by yeah. s- suggesting that um, Glasgow fans are Rangers fans, so all the Celtic fans will support Leinster. Yeah, well, even yeah. if he was joking, it's just, oh, it's yeah, just not worth getting just, involved. You know, yeah, no. that, that's, so hopefully that, that doesn't have any knock-on effect into into actually um, coming to pass. But I think I think as a stadium, as a as a venue, and as a showcase final. Um, it, it'll be it'll be a sensation because we all know how good Leinster are, um, and if and if Glasgow are in it, then it's going to be a, a humdinger of a game. I, I just think on Saturday or Friday evening, actually, um, Adam Hastings and Ali Price look to me like they've yeah. come of age as halfbacks, and the idea that you still have um, good old Greg Laidlaw there just to kick the goals, and for God's sake, someone else kick the goals because Ali Price was was just electric. He looked like to me like a lion scrum half. But he was the guy, and, Steve. I, Pool stage, he tore Saracens to pieces. You mm. don't tear Saracens to pieces. Mm. Quarter final, he was very good. Uh, Gregor Townsend's got a great rugby brain, but I just got scared and conservative. Had to have experience and a goal kicker at nine. Coming to the World Cup, he has to just say, Thanks, Greg, but I've got to go with this man. Does anyone fancy Glasgow to hold off Leinster? Leinster must be tiring. I, I expect Glasgow to win, yeah. I expect them to win. Uh, Alex, your winner? I don't expect them to win. I. I my instinct is still that, that Leinster will have enough to contain it mm. and edge it, um, but I think it'll be tight. For, well, for once, Leinster aren't playing a European game at home. Um, yeah, European knockout game, which <laughs> yeah. is unbelievable. Glasgow actually at home in Glasgow. Yeah, that, yeah. that might give them a bit of a leg up. We also we all thought it's got to be the new usual venue, didn't we? Yeah. The old Aviva Stadium. I'd already booked my flight to Dublin. Yeah, yeah exactly, I think as yeah. well. Yeah. It's one of the it's one of the Guinness Premiership finals not there as well. <laughs> those, those European finals, there's a bit of a history. Uh, that it's quite hard to back it up, whether mm. you've won or lost. Mm. And that Munster game was tough as well. In the first half, Leinster got no ball at all. And Munster, you know, if Glasgow get half the ball that Munster get in the first 40 minutes, it'll be done and dusted by half time. I, I think Leinster are a brilliant team. I've got massive respect for them. But I just think Glasgow get knocked out of Europe. They're fresh, they're ready, they've targeted this. I just think Rennie will have his team street smart up for it. And, and just to flip it onto the, the Premiership quickly, that ex- the week that Saracens have had off to celebrate that win but, oh. but then just come back in with a new focus and hmm. for two weeks to, to go and win the Premiership hmm. well it, you know the scheduling has fallen for them because all those players didn't have to play sure. that's massive because then they don't have any hangover from Europe it's the only reason they've lost in the last four Premiership yeah. titles is that they played against Exeter away the week after they won a final yeah. Yeah. that's the reason had a, um, a, um, as, a, as a man who, who loves the old school you must have been you must have warmed to uh, Alex Good and his celebrations, because that's a man after our own hearts. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. There should be mm. more of it. He was—he knew full well when he went out in Newcastle on Saturday night. He wouldn't be playing the next week, and boy, did he make the most of it. I tell you what, if he was playing, he wouldn't have done very well. Um, <laughs> he probably played better anyway. The, uh, I don't know. Also on Saturday, there was a playoff for between the Ospreys and Scarlets to um, get into the draw for the, uh, the Heineken Cup, Heineken Champions Cup next season, and. Uh, after the match, uh, if that was what you could call it, um, Ospreys went through um, and therefore jo- are the only Welsh club in it. There's no sign really of a revival and I just thought it was a wretchedly poor game. Uh, even some of the great players uh, who were in it d- didn't show. There was only just over 8,000 there, which makes you think, did they really, the crowd really care about it? And I just thought it was incredibly low-key. Uh, good for the Ospreys to make it, but their performances in Europe have been very poor. So really, it is up to them not to not to qualify or to win it, but to prove that 
they deserve to be there and, the, and at least win their home games. But I have to say, um, Scarlets worry me intensely. I know they had um, uh, both front rowers out, Rob Evans and uh, Samson Lee, but they really do worry me. Steve, Scarlets worried you. Um, as a, a man born and bred in Wales, are, are you slightly worried about Pivac taking over from... Gatland after the World Cup because it's been a pretty horrendous year for the Scarlets It's been a terrible year and I don't really like the way that the Sean Edwards stuff was managed, I know Sean's difficult but that didn't show Wayne in, the, in, his, uh, in his most decisive light, he was chosen when um, uh, the, the Welsh Rugby Union made no bones about it there were two contenders, one was Pivac, the other was Dave Rennie yeah, they were. Uh, which is why I think Dave Rennie came over on a two year deal, I think that was all sorted mm. and it, you know, Wayne is, uh, is experienced I like the guy very much. He's very much the, com- the common touch, which is important. Uh, but is a combination of he and Byron Hayward, do the, you know, to follow Gatlin's difficult and to follow Sean's difficult. But you must now be concerned that he hasn't got um, the Scarlets up to a fever pitch. Yeah. Mm. And um, I really do think that, um, you know, Dean Ryan's now at the Dragons, which will definitely make them better because it's the first time they made an appointment since about 1932. But um, we'll see. But Wales uh, definitely need more from you. Definitely, definitely. Let's just move on very briefly. Um, there's been some lurid publicity about the Rugby Football Union lately. Um, in the paper, in the Sunday Times on Sunday, um, Dean Ryan was explaining why he left uh, the RFU, basically because he had no budget, nothing to do. He said, there's nothing, there's no improvement I can make because I've got any, no resources. Alex, um, over the years, you've covered uh, the Rugby Football Union affairs absolutely splendidly. Um, we now hear rumours that actually the financial uh, performance is possibly even worse than, 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 than we think. What is happening there? The, the, the committee won't budge, they won't, uh, they won't cut their um, expenses. 64 people have been, um, have lost their jobs. Is it as chaotic as it seems? Um, yes, I fear it is. If you rewind to 2003, that period England won the World Cup, the spending of the RFU was more or less 50% on the elite game, 50% on the community game. The spending now is nearer 70-30 towards the elite end of the game because the RFU has signed two huge deals. One with the Premiership Rugby for access to the players and the other um, to award the players a 30% pay hike overnight a couple of years ago. That was based on poor financial forecasting, um, all of which they now admit. But the problem is that in order to, to keep funding that, that overspend at the elite level, they're cutting funding to every other department massively. England's World Cup budget is ring-fenced, but Dean Ryan's uh, department is being shredded um, the community game has had to save £10 million. Um, oh, so the RFU is having to save £10 million this year alone. £5 million of it's come from the community game, only two and a half from the professional game because there's very little they can do because everything is signed up in contracts. On top of that, the council um, voted to only cut their own expenditure by 6%. Everyone else by, has had to cut it by up to 20 um, The people who sign all these deals and have overseen it for various reasons, have all now pretty much left, but they've left the union in, in a in, in a state where um, they're in they're in real trouble because what's their raison d'être? 
is is the at the moment it's it's the community game and it's to reduce players for England, and both of those areas have taken savage cuts in order to protect the elite level. Adam, um, there's strong words there, but you're a man of the people yourself. I don't mean that in any jokey fashion, because you are, but where do you you think it's going? Do you you worry? And as Alex says there, there's only the community game and the the, uh, elite game, and both of them seem to be struggling. Well, as one famous journalist said, I think it's going to hell in a handcart. Um, Who's Who's that famous journalist? Can't mention him in this building. Okay. Was yeah. he, is he from one of our rivals? Yes. So-called yes. Yeah. rivals? Yeah, so-called rivals. Okay. What I can't work out is if, as Alex says, they're trying to save 10 million quid, but they're binning off a load of community coaches. This doesn't make sense. If you've got to save 10 million quid, get rid of some fat cats. Hmm. Um, the council seem to be, well, it seems as if they don't have to give answers to anybody. That's reprehensible, what Alex has just told us. And the guy who organised this disastrous deal with Premiership Rugby is now working for him. You couldn't, you know, it's crazy. You couldn't make it up. <laughs> Stuart, um, we, we've seen a fair bit, but is it as grisly as you've seen it? Yeah, I mean, it's like the council are taking the role of, of the deep Conservative Party and the RFU management board of the Cabinet, and we've got this world of austerity, we've got Brexit come into the overall ball game. It, it, it's absolutely insane, And but there's always an issue. And that issue remains, this whole thing about club and country, why did the RFU want to give the players such a high? Why did they feel this need? Because they know that if they don't do it, there's a danger that the clubs will pull in even further and they will lose the capacity that Eddie Jones talks about so much of having this team as their own. And that, when it all comes down to it, the whole financial, well, not the whole financial mess, but a large part of it is because the RFU are scared of the club saying, hey, you won't fund them, we'll take them completely. Where's your international game? OK, there's more strong words. And what strikes me is, in the, in the media, the RFU board, the main board, the professional game board, which is an amalgam of the two sides, mm. the clubs and the and the um, um, uh, the clubs and the and the union, and also the RFU council. Have you ever been invited to a media conference by any of them? No. <laughs> I mean, we don't know what they do. We don't know who they are. They seem to be non-accountable. At, at least the, um, the the chief exec of the rugby union pops up now and again, but clearly within with the reins on and in, under constraints. So, you know, when it comes to the fact that professional game board, if they're important as they say they are, have never come up and put themselves in front of the media, it's just awful. And uh, are they fit for purpose? No, at the moment they're not. And the new Correct. chief executive, who only started two weeks ago, uh, Bill Sweeney, come from the BOA, who who did a um, a very strong job with the, the British Olympic Association in reforming their finances and, and making uh, and and their commercial strength has got has, has come into the RFU in the middle of a crisis mm. um, and it's and yeah the, what the fans care about is the England team and their local clubs the England t- the, the, the leadership in the England team hasn't been settled no one knows what's happening um, with the coach of the England team after the World Cup he's he's got months to try and sort that while also trying to sort the whole picture of the whole financial picture of the RFU which um, they've tried to control the message on but with every turn seems to be getting worse not better the uh, just um, before we wind up now um, and with just two more um, rucks to go after this one I should say that whenever we get reaction from um, people who, who listen to the ruck they really almost 90% of them are talking about their own clubs and the community game 
and uh, it's really that's where we all came from um, and uh, I just love it at the community game I've been involved in that for donkey years so are all the other guys here and um, you know that that is what pe- hurts people when their interests are, are, are banished and made sort of priority number 20 so you know um, the new the new chief executive I'm afraid he can't say as others did I'm going to spend a year going round the game talking to people he's got to start right now and uh, and hit the ground running well if I was him I'd have walked out the door already with a message in he's got a right hospital pass hasn't he well he has it's, it's the biggest hospital pass in the history of hospitals yeah. finally today um, we always nominate our god or goddess of the week uh, we'll go first of all to um, Adam Hathaway for the uh, Tel Aviv correspondent I presume you got someone from Eurovision Adam I was going to go with Madge but um, her okay. people talked to my people and asked me not to do it okay um I'm going to give this guy God of the, he's not really God of the Week because they lost on Saturday but he's not going to be getting it next week I'm going to go for Johan Ackerman who um, has um, led Gloucester to I know they're not um, near the top two but they are slightly away from this sort of massive mediocrity in the mid-table he's done a good job there and they've got a bit of um, a bit about them this year Fine, that's the first God we've ever had who's um, failed a drugs test but that's, <laughs> we've got to move on Stuart, God or Goddess you can't say Mrs Barnes either <laughs> Ah, well, I'm going to sort of follow Adam's thinking here. Uh, lost by 21 points at the weekend. We'll probably lose again. Um, but Chris Boyd has transformed Northampton. we got Jim Mallinder, interestingly enough, who is working <coughs> with the RFU at Twickenham, who took Northampton from championships to one of the stodgiest Saints teams I've ever seen. This bloke from New Zealand has come in. He's got them playing wonderful rugby. Jamie Gibson looks like an international forward because of the shape they play. I love the way they play. I think Boyd's done a brilliant job. He's my God of the Week. Right, there's two decent gods. Over to um, the Times. Um, My pick is Denny Solomona. Well, yeah, what a try. Um, uh, Just for the way that he, he finished his season with just as one of his trademark spectacular finishes in the corner but he's battled through some personal difficulties this year he's had he's had some mental health troubles and um has had issues off the field which Mm. he's he has been dealing with and which he's now becoming um an advocate for 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 greater attention on on uh mental health issues in um among males in particular so having been through all that to sign off his season with a try like he did I thought was just a, a beautiful way for him to finish the year that's very good mm. I have to say uh, I very difficult to beat that myself but mine would be Joe Simpson because Joe um, uh, people knew he was leaving Wasp but unlike one or two of the others who were leaving he continued to spill his guts at the at the end still played wonderfully well not uh, terribly um, diminished from from his, his great years scored two lovely tries spoke well afterwards and I think that next year um, it'll be another one, another one of those people that was really miss and wish they hadn't transferred like Cipriani and, and three or four others I have to say chaps I'm looking for the nod now I think Den- Denny Solomona A for that glorious glorious try which Sale scored and B for his his hard work and his and his efforts and the dark places he's been. Yeah, Denny, you are God. That was good grief. We can't. We've all we all agreed for the first time ever. God of the week: Sale Sharks, Delhi Solomona, Stuart. Finally on sale. What are their chances of going into Europe? It means it all depends on La Rochelle. 
It, it's fascinating. La Rochelle uh, have got to get in sixth place. At the weekend, they dropped behind Montpellier, who thrashed Stade Francais and are coming with a late rattle. But in the last round of, of the top 14, Montpellier go to Clermont, who, as we all know, are, are formidable at home. If Clermont rests their team, then Montpellier have a great chance. The problem is uh, that Clermont, the week after, they will not be playing because it's the first round of the barrage, so they'll probably field a very strong team. Mm. La Rochelle, in contrast, play uh, bordeaux Begley at home where they should get the win. So right now, Montpellier are the team who are in front, but La Rochelle look the likelier team to make sixth place, which is... Not good for sale, is it? No, it's it exactly, no that's it exactly is good what for sale. So it is good for sale, yes. coming sixth. Yeah. So he was going brilliantly then, wasn't he? If Larry had finished sixth, sale get the extra... <laughs> Three years ago, didn't know a thing about French rugby. So I started broadcasting it. <laughs> Do you know what? I thought, brilliant, Bungie doing brilliantly. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> I and then, yeah, well, I went through all that extremely well and it was just the, the killer line at it's the end. It's a Devon Lock. Devon Lock. Devon Lock moment He dies before the finishing line. No, he wins. Oh, all right. Devon okay. Lot wins. And just to uh, just to clear that up, and it needs a bit of clearing. I just got a shovel here. Um, Sale will go into the main draw for European Champions Cup next year. If La Rochelle if comes La Rochelle, six, if the La Rochelle comes six, and what you said in the first bit there, where you're going well, was that they should do. So good luck to Denis Solomona uh, in on and off the field, and it looks like you could be gearing up for the Champions Cup next year. Thanks a million to everyone for listening to us. We'll be back next week uh, with a full preview of the Gallagher Premiership Final. Thanks to Adam, Stuart and Alex. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.